this, that, and teen paradigm, not just season, but this is a new way of life, a new way of believing for us. We want to believe you with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. We want to add faith to everything that we do. So we thank you, Lord, for teaching us your ways, that we can learn the ways of God, we can walk in the ways of God, and of course receive the benefit of faith and walking in you. So we thank you for that, Lord. We bless you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen and praise God. So last week we had begun talking about um, no doubt, the fact that God wants you to have no doubt in his word. And in James, I think I'll go over there for just a second and, and um, reiterate uh, some of what we spoke last week, just as a, a way of refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. James, where you at? <laughs> In James 1, it says, verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath or slow to get angry. Man, that shows self-control by the Holy Spirit. You're trusting the Holy Spirit to keep you intact. For the wrath of man's work not in it works not the righteousness of God. Therefore lay apart all filthiness, naughtiness, receive the meekness with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Thereby deceiving yourselves, which means that if you just sit and listen to the word and don't let it touch you, don't let it affect you, you'll wind up being deceived. You'll think that you have something from God when you don't have anything. The only way you're going to have something in God is by doing the word that you hear. Now, for years, we sat up in dead, crazy churches and listened and criticized the, pre the preacher and Oh, he wasn't on his message today, and he was slipping and all that kind of stuff. And we didn't realize that it was for us to go out and do the word that we heard. Even if he only told you Jesus saved every Sunday, you went out and acted saved. You know what I'm saying? And so we have to do the word that we hear. See, sometimes we treat the word like we did the, the subjects that we didn't like in school. You just say, well, I can get a D on that test and still pass. Or I'll get past long division and get the fractions because I like them and I can. You don't skip anything in God's kingdom. You can't skip certain concepts and ideas because it all builds on one another. Like you don't know what thing that you don't like doing or you don't like receiving from God that is essential for the thing that you really want. So you don't know what to cut out. See, God knows we cheat. You understand? I mean, he know what he's working with down here. Huh? Most of us, if we would, if steps and formulas would work, we'd go right to the, 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 the vault and grab all the goodies out and then forget about God. You see what I'm saying? Too, we need something else. And so he leaves us, amen. He leaves us in somewhat of darkness as to what it is exactly that we need to do to get his blessing and his favor. 
He just leaves us in the dark. You don't know until he reveals it to you. And if he decides not to reveal it to you, there's a scripture that says the secret things belong to the God. But those that are revealed, go do that, is basically what that scripture said. What you, what you know, go do. And leave the secret things where they are. Amen. And so he says, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man hold, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself and goes away and right away forgets what manner of man he is. Amen. He says, but whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, this man is blessed in everything that he does. James goes on to say in verse 8, I'm sorry, about faith. He says, if, if any of you... I'm sorry, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to men liberally and does not upbraid you. And let that be a lesson to you for trying to upbraid people because they don't have the faith you think they ought to have. You don't upbraid people for not having enough faith. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus always ministered to people in their shortcomings. You know, you don't disqualify people. I remember when we started this ministry many years ago, uh, the Lord told me, he said, always find a place to agree with people. Don't tell them God won't do certain things for them. Amen. Unless it's, unless you want somebody's husband. You know. And I'm thinking to myself, now, the husband is one thing you don't want secondhand. Am I right, Poppy? See? Huh? You don't want somebody secondhand nothing. God has your own for you. Amen. Of course, that scares most of us too. Oh, laugh! It's funny. You can laugh. Loosen up. Thank you. You can loosen up. But anyway, um, it says here. He, he says, "Let him ask in faith." Nothing wavering. So when you waver, you believe one thing one day and something else the next. Well, God doesn't know what to give you. So it's like that. God wants us to be certain and sure about what we're asking for. You know how he knows you really want it? As you continue to ask. And you don't ask once a year. Let me put it to you this way. Whatever it is you desire, ask for it like you ask for your bills to be paid. With that kind of consistency, that kind of fervor, <laughs> that kind of desire. God is looking out for you many years down the road. Most of us are looking at today and tomorrow and, and not even that much. And so he's got plans for you far in advance. And so that's why it's imperative that we trust him and continue to stand in faith for the things that we're asking for. So it said, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavers is like uh, the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. So somebody can tell you, come by and tell you you didn't really get healed at that meeting and you believe that. And then somebody tell you, girl, you better hold on to your heel and you believe that. Amen. And so you have to get solid in what you believe. And he says... 
If let not that person think they'll get anything from the Lord, a double-minded person is unstable in all of their ways. So God won't be able to trust you. If he can't trust you to believe him for things that you desire in your life, he can't trust you with anything else. So the greater blessing will not come to somebody who isn't solid and will waver. If you're going to continue to waver, the greater blessing will never come to you. Why? Because God can't trust. He doesn't know what you're going to be doing tomorrow to trust you to make you a steward over the things that he's giving, giving to you. Understand that whatever it is that God blesses you with and has promised you, is it has a real dual purpose. It, there, it has a personal uh, purpose and a kingdom purpose. So in, in God wants to take care of both at one time. It's not just about you getting what you need for you. It's about you getting what you need for God's kingdom. He sees you as a tree planted by rivers of living water, trees of righteousness. And he says that you start out very small, like we all do. And he says it grows into a great branch and then many fowl or many birds come and lodge in your branches. So he sees you as being a governor and an overseer of much work down here on earth. Because, because, because Jesus lives in you, you have that potential. So get, make your world large, at least have as large as God sees it. And see yourself with potential to provide wisdom, comfort, shelter, life, prosperity, everything to others who will come and gather around you. God wants us to be gatherers and not scatterers. You know what I'm saying? When you're a gatherer, you can hold on to many relationships, friendships. They work well. They're encouraging. You encourage them. They encourage you. The way people mess up relationships is instead of seeing themselves as ministers of Christ and servants of Christ, they see themselves for them only. So we have to get out of that mindset of uh, it's about me. Uh, Sometimes you can get in relationships with people and they don't seem to be going the way you want to. Most people don't know how to fix that. Let me tell you something. You can't fix it. You're going to have to back up off people and let God fix things. Take it from one who learned. This is something everybody has to learn. And and when you start, you know, sometimes we're only comfortable with a certain level of relationship. Then when it starts to get a little deep, they want to know something about you. <laughs> huh? Well, the Bible says we're open epistles known and read of all men. So you ain't hiding nothing from nobody. And least of all, should we be willing and interested in hiding our shortcomings, faults, and sins from one another? Because you ain't fooling nobody. Listen, the same skin that covers me covers my sister. We all got the same stuff to deal with. You understand what I'm saying? And so why should I try and come across to her as somebody who's, we don't go there when we talk to me. She talk to me about, but yet they can dig all in your business. And 
<laughs> know everything. <laughs> Praise God. So we, we, we have to learn these things. We have to learn how to treasure who we are and value who we are. And at the same time, value and treasure who that other person is. Amen. And help them to grow into what God wants them to be. And then, then you're stable. You're steady. You're, you're on the right course. God can trust you with things. So in Mark 11.23, that's where we were last week. And I want to make sure we stay focused on, on how to live with no doubt. You know, this is, you're really going to understand how to, and it's a discipline, folks. Christianity is a discipline. It's a way of life, but it's a way of life that you discipline yourself to. Amen? If we could be half as disciplined as the Muslim, they don't, they don't even have any inward help helping them to live the life. We've got the Holy Spirit living in us. And we can can adapt to, we have the continual counsel of God, helping us to understand and leading us and guiding us in the right way. So if we could get committed to that, see, and not be satisfied living kind of a, a me-centered, mediocre kind of life, then, then we can do great things in God. So Mark 11:20. In the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter, calling to remember, said to him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said to them, Have faith in God. So in other words, Jesus could tell when the, when the conversation was shifting to having faith in man. Hmm? Because many times a disciple saw him as a mere man and not the Messiah, not anointed. Certainly when he died, they was all through with him. You know? He wasn't who we thought he was because their concept of who the Messiah was fed into their personal desire for themselves, what he would do for them only. They couldn't see him as being the redeemer of all mankind. So as long as your picture of yourself is small, you'll miss what God has you here for. You'll miss it. See, when your world begins to close in so tight that all you're interested in is your job, your, your housing, your things, then it's already too small for God to come and work in. So he's going to have to blast you up out of that. going to bust up something. Huh? That's the time when the Job situation, the devil's constantly saying, hmm, that looks like Sister Sheree is saving you just for the goodie. She's serving you huh, for no reason. So we'll have a little difficulty come into your life. You hear what I said? Not the end of the world, a little difficulty. Light affliction. And see, that's coming from a man that got whooped every every city he went to. Paul got dragged through the city, got beaten, got arrested, thrown in prison, all that kind of stuff. And he called it light afflictions. If he described it that way, we can too. Amen. You know, a, a, a delayed light bill is a light affliction. Huh? 
something that that uh, happened to where maybe you missed a payment or something like that is a light affliction. You got me? Light affliction. It's not the end of the world. And see, we'll act like it's the end of the world. And if God don't come and do it for us, we mad at him, mad at everybody. Don't want to go back to around the saints no more. Don't want to go to church no more. Huh? Done with that place. When I was first saved, they used to call people like that cruisomatics. You know, the people that came out of the Catholic Church were charismatics. When you get it, and we call them cruisomatics because they they just cruise from place to place. You know, just judging everything according to their standards instead of praying and asking where God wants you to be and sit down and go learn something. Huh? And don't get up till you learn everything. <laughs> So anyway, so he says, have faith in God, man. And really, faith, we said faith was, uh, um, uh, is a spiritual force that takes on the attributes of whomever or whatever you put it in. So your faith is a blank canvas until you invest it in something. When you invest your faith in God, you have everything. You have that covenant. You have everything that you need. So don't disinvest or divest yourself from faith in God. Now, the devil will do everything he can to keep your faith bouncing around. Huh? He will. Get you in a hurry. There's one thing he loves to do is get the saints under some pressure. Like God don't know what he's doing. But if you listen to the pressure and you don't listen to God, you're going to wind up making a move out of season that's not going to help you. Then where the time you thought you were saving by jumping in there and doing it yourself, you wind up having to make that up. God's got to make that up for you on the back end because you stepped out of line from where he was. See, God is there all the time. Only thing you need to do is, like we say, get to know him. Amen. This is about what it's about. All the things that we think we're waiting on, they're already granted to you. If you don't really believe they're already granted, then get in the word until you get that settled. And know that God desires. He never would have shot his mouth off promising you stuff. If he didn't really want you to have it, he's not playing games with you. He's not trying to pull your leg and make you think he's doing something when he's not doing it. He's not like people. We don't put that kind of tag on half the people in our lives who are really messing us up. huh? And so why would we saddle God with that kind of reputation or that kind of identity? Because it is not true. And so once we have our faith invested in God, leave it invested there. Lean not to your own understanding. You cannot do that and get success in God. Amen. You're going to have to stay with God to get the success of God. When you put faith in God, you do things God's way. Amen. You must do them his way. So I always say once you pray that prayer, God takes over the steering wheel and you let him drive. You just go along for the ride. Hang on through the bumps. Put your seat belt on if you need to. Whatever you got to do. Go in the, uh, uh, <laughs> the fuel mart and get you a cup of ice. <laughs> whatever you need to do to make the ride enjoyable. 
go do that. Huh? Go do that. Because it's, it's going to be a ride for you. See, what God wants us to get comfortable with is not driving. Not being in control of the wheel all the time. You can let God take over. And that's how you learn to trust him. Some of you parents, uh, uh, your kid, your, your preteen child has been looking forward to age 16 ever since they found out that's when you can drive. But you ain't excited about it. Well, you know, uh, why don't you see if they got driver training courses in school? You'd rather let the driver ed teacher take all the risk. And then when all the bumps are worked out, then you uh, go get you a cup of coffee with some strong caffeine and go sit in the passenger side uh, and keep pushing the floor with... It's interesting, but even parents learn how to hang on. <laughs> trust you trust in something. I won't say you trust in God or trust, but you trust in something sitting up in there. Uh, that's when the uh, Asian tongue comes on you. You know, you know how your tongues will switch up sometimes. You got to pull one from another country to get through some things in life. But that's what you do. When you got you know you got to trust and you got to make it through, then you trust so you can make it through. Amen. Amen. Verse 23, truly I say to you or verily we said that's a covenant term. That means I swear, I swear this ain't no lie. I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, cast into the sea, I mean, this is extreme language that Jesus is talking, but it's accurate language, too. Because what you're looking for is for something that's too big for you to handle, to move out of the way so that you can have what you say. And that's what's going to have to happen. Why? Because what we're doing is we're, we're in the process of redeeming, working with God and redeeming possessions redeeming uh, uh, territory, redeeming mental health out of the devil's hands, redeeming our peace, our joy, all of the fruit of the Spirit. He's got all of that stolen and bottled up from us. Now, you can try to manufacture joy all you want to, but ain't nothing like the real. Come on up here, Sister McKinney. Come on, girl. I feel it coming on. Ah, Yes, here we go. Yes. Ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. Ain't nothing like the real thing. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, and thank you. See? Now I forgot what we was talking about. Just that quick. Thank you, Sister, Sister McKinney. That's right. <laughs> But, you know, we walk through life, there's a counterfeit everything. We've been faking it and counterfeiting it all our lives. You know, it's about time to quit. It's a lot of energy involved in that, a lot of work involved in, you know, trying to put on the happy face and smile for everybody and pretend we ain't broke. Uh-huh. 
trying to act like we moved by the fact that God is blessing us and you crying because you don't know how you're going to get it paid for. You know what I'm saying. Hey, it's all okay. Uh, but God knows. Amen. Yep. That's right. So he says, you can say to anything that stands in your way, get out of the way. Amen. See, that's our responsibility. Jesus has already given you. That's what your faith is for. To make the devil move and leave your stuff alone. To make uh, people that, that are not cooperating with you in the things of God. You ask God to change their hearts. Change their stony hearts. Change that mean affect that they have. Amen. Get things to work on your behalf. And that's our authority. That's how your authority works in spiritual things. And so God wants us to do that. And so we have to provide the words and the faith. And then after that, he operates on it and brings it to pass. Amen. He will operate on it and bring it to pass. And he says, if you do not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which you say... You've got to believe that what comes out of your mouth will happen. For the good and the bad. We want to think only the things we say in line with the word are going to come to pass. But all that other stuff you done stacked up in that sandwich. Huh? You done made a sandwich with your tongue and you got to unmake that sandwich. Huh? In order for some of this stuff to happen. Huh? Oh, I just can't believe them. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah you're right. I can't. Huh? Can't believe this didn't happen to me again. Why well, do? Huh? Hey, you better believe in it too, because if you would change what you believe in your heart to consistently believe in God. See, the devil knows how to work people. You know, he gets you. He hears your little prayers. You know, or your little prophecy, go up in the line at the conference, and you say, and God's going to, and you hit the flow. Jump up, it's God. Before you get out the door, the devil has somebody come up to you and ask you, huh? And put doubt in your heart. Huh? You know, the best thing to do is to tell the devil, listen. Before we go to the meeting, you stay in the car, or you stay home, or you stay wherever, wherever you can stay and stay out of my hair. Huh? I forbid you to send any witches or warlocks to me in that meeting, before, during, or after. Amen. And just allow God, allow that word to settle in on you without any interference. Because the devil is there to steal it from you now. It's up to you whether you hang on to it or whether you let him steal it. Amen. So you've got to hold on to. That's your job. Holding on to what God tells you. Because the enemy will try and steal it from you. So he says don't doubt in your heart. Don't let the devil come and pluck it out before it even gets in there. Because many times we don't have that solid because we, we live, we're living off the mental realm of that prophecy instead of the heart realm. Huh? 
you can tell when it's getting in the heart realm. You know why? Because it'll scare you to death to think about it coming to pass in your life. Because if it's God, it's going to take some doing. If it's God, it's going to. Because he comes right in the middle of your fear, your complacency, your thinking it'll never happen and promises it to you. To see what you're going to do. Are you going to stop thinking like you've been thinking and pick up the word of the Lord and hold it and embrace it and really love it? Or are you going to look at it for a minute and say, that ain't my baby and give it back? <laughs> I don't know anybody's ever done that, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <You know? laughs> huh? See, it's got to be embraced by you. You have to accept the whole thing that God is doing for you. You can't just like pick and choose. You can't pick it apart. You know, uh, it's like somebody giving you a child, your own child, and you said, it could Huh? If you was there and almost awake when it was born, that's your baby. You got me? And you got to handle the promises of God like that. That's, God, I was in the, the worship and all excited and, and you told me that. See? That's the epidural and the whatever, whatever other dope they can give you. I know I was partly doped up, but I think that's my baby because there wasn't no lady beside me in the labor room giving birth. I think that belongs to me. So when you come out of your excitement about worship and, and getting a word from God, that's your baby. That's, your, that's what you birthed when you was with God in that place of conception, conceiving what he had for you. So now you've got to keep it. Now you got to nurse it and take care of it. Now you got to get it to grow up in faith to the place where it will totally manifest in your life. Huh? Don't be scared of your own conception. Huh? Not know some of y'all kids are scary. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Don't, don't be scared. Embrace it. <laughs> Love it. I know little Johnny spits his food out on everybody and cranky and all that kind of stuff but you can love them you can let the stuff out of them and get them to settle down right it belongs to you so you've got to embrace it any promise god gives you you have to embrace the total of it the risk the maybe this will change my life too much that i don't know if i can do this part i don't even know if i want this part god says it's for me but i'm not sure you know you get it confirmed you know, and when I say confirm, ask God to confirm it. Don't go around asking 15 people. Leave people alone. Because that's one way to really get confused. Huh? And don't you assume you understand what it means. Because huh? you can't fool God. Hmm? But he says, for truly I say to you, if you tell this thing to be removed, cast in the sea... And don't doubt in your heart. That's the important part. But believe that those things that you say will come to pass. You can have whatsoever you say. Amen. So when you pray, believe that you receive them and you have them. You have to receive it at the time that you pray. Because receiving then is faith. 
waiting till you see something is not so much faith. Amen. That's that's in the natural. I mean, it's a form of faith, but it's natural. You've been living with that all your life. Now, but you have to learn these things. You have to give yourself an opportunity and chance to learn them. And when the lesson gets tough, just hang in there because it'll get better. Amen? It'll get better. Or it'll remain tough and you just have to tough it out. But I'm telling you, you must work to make sure that doubt does not creep in to your heart. And so if you do that, you can have what you say. And the other important part, verse 26 or 25 and 26, when you stand praying, forgive. So it's like this. Before you even open your mouth, tell God you forgive sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so or the husband or the kids. You know, I'll tell you a mistake parents made. You don't think you have to forgive your children. You just kind of shrug things off that they do. And then pretty soon you get into this antagonistic relationship. It's a control thing where you're trying to control them. They won't control back. And so when you forgive, what you do is you wipe the slate clean. I always say when when a parent forgives a child, that child has been elevated in stature in their eyes right away. You got me? You consider them worthy to be forgiven. You consider them powerful enough. To cause a crimp in your relationship with God. See, a lot of times people try to straighten things out by petting their children or pacifying or buying them something else or covering over the real issue. Well, you won't get to the real issue and get it resolved until there's forgiveness there. God's not going to open up any kind of wisdom to you and your heart's not right in it. And so that's, that's an important step, I think, for parents to get to the point where you realize, you know, I'm really angry with this kid more than I need to be or consistently. Or when they come to me with something new and the situation is new to them, it's old to me because I'm still hanging on to the last wrong thing they did. That happens to everybody, folks. That is a human condition. It's not an indictment. Huh? This will help your relationships. And then pretty soon you'll see that things clear up. Everything's fresh and new. You can start off with a new level on the relationship. You can start off a new level of respect for one another. And you're not playing them little witchcraft manipulation games. Jockeying for a position. You know, trying to get leverage. Trying to get the upper hand. You know, all that kind of stuff. It'll be a fresh and new. And same thing for all relationships. You've got to make everything fresh and new through forgiveness and repentance. Amen? And that's why it's given to us. That's the only tool God is going to give us to, to straighten out relationships is forgiveness. So use the tool. Huh? Use the tool. You know, some families go through life and nobody ever says, I'm sorry. Nobody ever says, I really didn't mean that. Can we start up? Reconciliation never. And we're supposed to be ministers of reconciliation. See, we're supposed to carry that everywhere we go. We'll do it everywhere, but where it really counts is right where you live. So, you know, everybody go home, get in the mirror, and look at yourself saying, forgive me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you, or I didn't mean to come off like that, or whatever. Get it straightened out. 
That's the only way you can straighten out iniquity. Amen. It's through forgiveness. That's the tool God's given us. Amen. And so he says, don't ask me for diddly squat till you go make it right with your brother. Amen. He even says, leave your gift at the altar. I don't want your money. I don't want your gift. I don't want to see you until you have respect for somebody else that's just like you. Amen. And go make that right. Go ask forgiveness. Straighten it out. You know, some people try to be nice, do everything, but humble themselves and say, forgive me. Huh? Smoothing it over. We need to talk about the elephant in the room sometimes. You know, because it's so obvious it needs to be straightened out. Amen. So God wants us to forgive. And then your words are pure. Oh, righteousness. Man, you can have what you say. You can get that. And you can do that. Amen. My life changed when I stopped wanting to kill my husband every day. I mean, seriously. When I quit getting so mad at that brother... Well, he better get saved so he can be like me. (laughs) Ready to kill somebody. You know, and so your your heart will indict you sometimes. It'll show you where you live. And and I realized that my prayers were not hindered. Didn't take as long to get stuff from God as I needed to. Didn't you understand that? Then then forgiveness and repentance became my friends. That was my friend because it got me where I needed to go. It was my vehicle that I used to get me where I needed to go everywhere. Righteousness is your friend. It's not wrong to try and be right with God. I said right with God. I'm not talking about people and what they think about you. I'm talking about right with God. I hope you've noticed people ain't God, folks. Now, they're not worthless. They're to be held in high esteem. But you've got to ask God how to treat people. You've got to ask God how to approach people. You've got to ask God how to relate to people. And he'll tell you, I've given you all the tools right there in the Bible. Just do what I tell you to do. Amen? When I say love your neighbor as yourself, how do you want people to treat you? And I'm talking about in a real sense. I'm not talking about... Trying to lord it all over anybody. But just the basic things about consideration and, and making sure that you're comfortable and you're not, they don't cramp you. You understand what I'm saying? All that kind of stuff. And so if you get the basics in your mind and in your heart about how you want to be treated and say, God, I want to have that heart for other people. I just want to feel that way toward other individuals. And you can do it. You can consider everybody. Your world can be large enough to consider everybody and make sure everybody has at least a basic level of comfort around you. You understand what I'm saying? You don't want to be the control person. You don't want to be the one that terrorizes everybody. You understand what I'm saying? You You just don't want to be. You want to be that person who people feel peace around you. Amen? All the time. Everybody feels peace around you. Praise God. Amen. So we talked about Abraham last time, that he received a promise of God. It took at least 13 years to bring the pass. 
And in that 13-year period of time, he got to know God. Amen. And we saw all the different landmarks in his life. First, he built altars to God and worshiped God. Amen. He dug wells and dedicated them to God. He would pitch tents, and when it was time to move, God told him to move, and he moved. When he got to a new place, he would set up an altar to worship God again. He would give an offering, so he kept continual contact with God. And so we talked about that as being one of the requisites for being able to have what you say. To be able to keep doubt out that you have to take, have daily contact with God through worship. And when you worship God, take him with you. See, worship is your introduction. God, I need you today. God, I want you there with me today. I want you to help me today. And I'm addressing you as God before I do anything else. And I'm believing that you're going to be with me every step of the way. Amen. God, help me when I have to make decisions. Help me to go inward and talk to you. Or get the word or put... Put a request out there and expect you to give me an answer in a timely manner. It can come through anybody. It can come through, uh, you know, your boss or your coworker, or it can come through, you know, some words that you recall by the Holy Spirit. All of that stuff, God will keep you and help you to be a success. That's what you want. You're looking for the success of God in every situation. And you're looking for God to be there and be active and alive in your life on a continual basis. That's what success is. Nothing more, nothing less. It's having the presence of God, the mind of God, the gifts of God, the advantages of God, the thoughts of God, everything pointing you connected with God for you to be one together in life. You to be his, he's your partner in the things that you do. He's your guiding force in everything that you do. You know, the devil will throw you some curveballs here and there, but don't lose your peace. Yes. Amen. If, if you can't do anything else, ask God, God, help me to, to hold on to your peace and hold on to my composure, my undisturbed composure. There are things that will come up 15 times a day to upset your day. Be the kind of person that doesn't have to stop and give vent. You got me? I mean, beat the devil at his own game. That's what he's looking for. Because he's looking for you to stop and spew out some words that he can use against you. Come on now. It's all words and nothing but a war of words anyway. If you can hold yours back and keep your head from exploding on you. You know what I'm saying? You know how if he can't get your words, he'll work your brain. You know, your brain is in there going, boom, 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 boom. <coughs> tilt, 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 <laughs> like a pinball machine. <laughs> and so you, you have to really understand how to pull yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit into a place where you don't give vent to frustration. You don't give vent to anger. You know, you know when you get frustrated, it's a sign you haven't forgiven. you got stuff built up in there. From before. So you got to work on that. That means the tools are there for us to work on so we can leave really carefree. We're not anticipating trouble. We're not looking for trouble. We're not saying that if trouble comes, we'll, you know, if 
I can't get no trouble. I, I didn't pray against that. And pray. You can do all that you want to. You understand what I'm saying? But I'm here to tell you, it works sometimes. sometimes you know, it's kind of like minute by minute trusting God in life. Huh? I mean, you could have, I have the best things planned sometimes. And dog, if something stupid don't come up. You know, I'm doing all this. We have, yeah, I told you all about our holiday things. I always host a Thanksgiving. I enjoy it. You got me? I do things for the joy of them. And so you always know there's always going to be something coming up, you know. So you say, okay, God, I got all the bases covered. So we got a, a relative that don't eat pork. Now, you don't be in poor shape. You come to my house and you don't eat pork. But see, God had prepared me because he kept reminding me of, of I had some smoked turkey in the freezer. So I made greens with smoked turkey and it wasn't enough. So I had my neck bones, which I keep on the ready. Hey, smoked neck bones. So I had a second batch I made with the smoked neck bones. So my dilemma was, who's coming? Should I mix them? Should I not mix them? So I got busy doing something and threw them all together. Well, of course, of course, the person that shows up every five years that don't eat pork shows up and wants to, you know, like front me. Oh, wow. You should know by now. <laughs> Seriously, devil? I should know what? You know, I'm, and see, I'm on the side where the hot stuff is. It's a setup. It's a setup. <laughs> it's a setup. <laughs> huh? But I said, you know what? I am so sorry. I said, I forgot. I really did. I said, I didn't mean it. Well, he stormed on off. So I, I followed him. One foot in the Holy Ghost and one foot in the... See, sometimes it's minute by minute, folks. And you're hoping that when you get where you're going, the foot that's in the Holy Ghost is the one you're standing on and ain't the foot that wants to kill somebody, hurt somebody. Huh? (laughs) Who you think paying the bills around here? Hello? But I bent down and I whispered to him i said i'm very sorry i said no i didn't mean don't let this upset the rest of you i want you you're here to enjoy things i want you to enjoy i said and i kissed him on the cheek my nephew i ain't kissed him on the cheek for years you know what i'm saying hold it hold it i I, I don't say another word because that distracts me okay sweetie yeah that's okay so but um what i'm telling you i'm telling you this to tell you this that you can you can have in your heart to do the right thing. And then the devil is trying to come and steal that out and make you do. And many times we do things. Let me tell you what you do. You'll do things that your heart is not really in. But you take the responsibility of the damage for it like it came from your heart. And you better stop doing that. As Christians, you got to stop doing that. Because you'll start to think evil of yourself. You'll start thinking evil of other people. You will never get it in your heart to think the best about everybody and let that be the final answer. You got me? 
When you are blood bought, you don't have two hearts, the evil heart and the good heart. And you just the mean person. Yeah. You give in to one thing. Sin lives in your members. You gotta remember that about you and about everybody else. You cannot condemn people. You cannot do that. Because you don't really know their heart. You barely know your own. But I knew what was in my heart when I when I started and I believed it was still in there at the end of the evening. You got me? And so you can hold on to the good that you intend to do. You don't have to give up and shrug your shoulders and, and you know, be mean toward people or wish evil on them or, you know, hope it, you know, they come out with four flat tires or go get your gun and make them flat. You understand what I'm saying? You can you can hold on to the good intention that you have in things. You just have to hold on to it. Don't let it go. The devil's trying to get you to let it go. And then you take responsibility of being the mean person for the rest of the evening. Huh? Now, that's happened before. Why well, I had to be the mean person. You understand what I'm saying? And I had to later go and apologize and correct that so that that person felt welcome when they came. You got me? But they crossed the line. See, they start messing with me where the anointing is concerned. And I don't let people do that. You understand what I'm saying? It cost me too much. And I continue to pay the price so I can get farther in God. So I'm not going to let mockery be made. You understand what I'm saying? So, and then in that case, you really kind of have to let God clean it up for you to a degree. You understand what I'm saying? Because some things are way beyond where, like, I don't know why I got as angry as I did, but it touched me in a place I'd never get touched, and I didn't like it. Let me put it to you that way. So, we just move on, okay? I I don't do everything perfect right, guys. I'm just trying to let y'all know. But we're all in the same fight, right? So, we just, and I don't cancel, I don't cancel Thanksgiving. Amen. <laughs> I don't get mad at people. I ain't having them. I ain't having No, we don't do that. Uh, we're faith people. Faith people continue no matter what. Amen. So, you keep doubt. You keep your relationship with God. We're talking about relationship now. You must spend time in the Word. We said that. Time in worship. Time in prayer. And sometimes prayer is is uh, edifying or building up your faith, building up your heart and your faith. It ain't begging all the time. Because, you know, you get tired of begging sometimes. <laughs> oh, God, give me, give me, give me. He heard you the first time if you ask in faith. And it also helps us to know God. Amen. The other thing we talked about was, okay, so making time for God, that's number one that I have here. Using your faith in everyday life. Use your faith every day. Find yourself some faith projects to work on. And we've got a bunch of them. Huh? Huh? You can start with dust bunnies. Realizing that faith without works is dead. Come on, lighten up, folks. It's a joke. In other words, take the dust broom to them dust bunnies and quit believing for them to go away somewhere. 
Well, I had a vision and all my dust buddies just hippity hopped on across my room and into the way. No, it ain't going to happen like that. You're going to have to get up and attack that with your faith. Huh? Now, God will give you unique ways to get things done. Amen? Sheree, you don't know nothing I'm talking about. I could be talking to I'm messing with you. Siobhan and Diane. <laughs> yeah, Siobhan and Diane. I taught them. They they carry the mantle now. <laughs> I feel you, sis. Mind, get on, mind talking to me, too. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but if you, you lose, use your faith for everyday things, you learn to please God on a regular basis. On a regular basis. Yeah. You begin to gain confidence in your relationship with him. Plus, you have experience putting your faith in him and knowing it's going to work. See, if you can, get, if you can do, do faith projects in everyday life, then after a while, it doesn't scare you when the biggie confronts you. Huh? Like, like David, I fought the lion and the bear. Now, see, them big to us, but they were small to him. Because they happen in everyday life. So there's a lion and a bear for all of us in everyday life. And that builds your faith. And he said, this thing is going to be just like the rest of them other two. See? So you get to the place where anything else the enemy throws at you becomes you get the same result as you thought God was with you when you fought the lion and you beat him. When you fought the bear and you beat him. And the rest of these demons is going to be just like them other two, amen, that God put under your feet. So David kept sheep, fought the lion and the bear, and he developed his relationship of faith in God. And, and it was easy because he had responsibility for the sheep. So if you use your faith in things that you have responsibility for and not optional things, you know what I'm saying. Like, say, for instance, if it, it, like with my appliances, I told you all that in my car. I, I devote those things to God. I said, God, I'm only going to do what you want me to do with these things. That's a basic discipline that everybody can do. You know, you don't even, you, you, your feet don't move like people in the world do to like worldly music. So just don't play with that no more. Just cut it off. Grow up and start being a Christian everywhere. Let God have every area of your life. Because you're not fooling me. You ain't cool. You don't look cool. You don't sound cool. Because you've got God all over you. See, we're always the last ones to wake up to the obvious. I'm going to go kick it. Them people, them church people, they don't know what's going on. I know what's going on. Huh? Go kick it and, and do something responsible, you know. But but I decided, I said, well, God, I'm going to dedicate these things to you and work that. Use my faith to work that and keep these things dedicated to. You would dedicate it means you don't do nothing else. You don't have a thought to do nothing else with it. But let God have control over it. See, if you're always blurring the lines, you got a lot of gray and not black and white. See, it gets confusing even for you. 
And that's why your faith won't work. So you won't work it in the simple things where it's no penalty, no hurt, no harm. It didn't hurt nobody that my my possessions are dedicated to God. huh? And when you find that people want to intrude in that, then you have to rebuke them and set them straight. Now listen, this belongs to God. We can't go messing with it like it's ours. Got me? And leave it alone. I don't care if you don't use it for 50 years. It's still God's. You see people in the Bible getting the worst trouble of their lives for using stuff that's dedicated to God. Uzzah, what did he do? He tried to steady the Ark of the Covenant and fell dead. God said, you don't help me. You don't touch my stuff. Oh, but my intentions were good, God. You don't touch it. I kill you. Huh? exactly what he means listen when i read my bible i understand it or i read it and read it 15 times till i do understand it god when your stuff belongs to you it belongs to you abraham and sarah went down to egypt huh brother started putting pressure on him because his old lady looked nice god kept her looking good for her husband dedicated when abraham started worshiping god everything in the house was dedicated to god from him his wife his servants everything belonged dedicated totally to god what that means is you don't have no say in it anymore god controls it so abraham goes down there and him and sarah now he's been living he lived to be 90 playing pimp your wife when you go somewhere and there's a bunch of men around you Tell them you my sister. Because dudes be known to kill you for a pretty woman. Well, it was half true anyway because she was really his half-sister. I said, no wonder they ain't had no kids yet. They don't know who they are. You can laugh. I mean, I think it was funny. It's funny in some places. <laughs> in China, it's funny. But, uh, you know, when you have confusion in a situation, God comes in to get you to dedicate it to him so he can straighten out the confusion. So, so then Abraham gets down to Egypt, and he's living pretty good. Nobody, they think Sarah's his sister. Everything's going pretty good. So she winds up, because of her attractiveness, she winds up. See, when God makes you attractive, you're attractive no matter what you look like on the outside. All her years and all that, God will put something on you. That's that's to help the lies that the devil tells you nobody wants you. You understand what I'm saying, that kind of stuff. Jesus wants you. He's the most important person. In the whole wide world, he makes you attractive to people. But you got to act like you are. You understand what I'm saying? You got to, you know, you got to go along with it in some kind of faith. Now, that was free. But, uh, but you know what I'm saying. And so she goes down there and she winds up in Pharaoh's court, part of the harem. And Pharaoh takes her in and God talks to Pharaoh. Now, when God can talk to a sinner, those of you who think, Sinners don't hear God or don't listen to God. He talked to anybody he wants to. And he will be heard and understood. 
So she goes into Pharaoh, and Pharaoh tells uh, God tells Pharaoh, "You're a dead man." And he said, "Really? <laughs> Who is this I got in here?" And he said, "That woman is a queen to me." Huh? See, I see all these people calling each other kings and queens on Facebook. When God calls you a queen, you're a queen. And not until. So she's dedicated to the Lord because of their worship. Now, if you didn't know that before, write it down and make note of it this day. My children are dedicated to God because I worship him. My home is dedicated to God because I worship him. My belongings are dedicated to God because I worship him. Everything I possess is dedicated to God even if I don't want it. My hangnail is dedicated to God. Huh? Everything is. And God doesn't want the devil touching it. So David was able to keep covenant with God, keep his sheep, go from the lion to the bear to Goliath to nations to greater things. All because of his everyday life faith. Just having faith in God in everyday things. David would, would pl- play for his own satisfaction. It's important. You know, sometimes the things that, if you're dedicated to God, like you'll see sometimes people who get very, very prominent singing voices and stuff like God and stuff like that. And and many times they have had to sing out of some pain or some kind of something. And God uses that to minister to them and bring them. And God so enjoys it with you that he will perfect it to the point where man begins to notice it. And see, this is many times what happens with, with some of these really famous people who get very prominent with a voice or with a gift or with an instrument or something like that. There's some history there. Most people don't get that kind of perfection with the idea of doing it for money from the beginning. I'm going to say that again. You know, it's the perfection that you will get in that realm oftentimes has come because God got involved in it somewhere. Like you went to him, you went to your instrument because you were lonely or you had a broken heart or you sang yourself happy in the shower. You did it day after day after day. And then God gets involved in it, perfects it, and makes it bigger than what you are. It begins to minister to you and to other people. Somebody else notices it. Very seldom do people who do it from the beginning saying, I'm going to make a lot of money. doing." You never get that same kind of God thing that makes it prominent enough to take you to different places. And that's what happened to David. Everything he did, he did as unto the Lord. That's why God honored him by calling him a man after his own heart. He said, that boy don't do nothing without me in mind. Got me? So even his playing, his playing his harp, got him in uh, Saul's court. He began to be the minister to the king. Why? Because he just sat out there and played for the sake of playing. 
And then pretty soon, it, it began, he was lonely out there by himself as a shepherd with a bunch of sheep, and it stunk out there. And you don't have to play yourself into some kind of difference. They called him the sweet psalmist. Why? He could probably change an atmosphere from stinky to sweet in no time. You think he couldn't help the king out of his madness? And so he had experience with God using what he had to bring comfort and joy and peace. And he knew what he could do with his playing. And so God would put him in places. So having God, using your faith in God in everyday life is extremely important. Don't put your faith away like it's some kind of gift or a trophy. Or it's something you don't want to spend too much of and wait for a, a real emergency to pull it down. And You know, I have some relatives I would say, well, well, if you want me to, I'll pray for you. Oh, it ain't that serious yet. I said, well, call me when it gets that serious. I'll still pray for you. You know what I'm saying. Like if you're the dedicated to God, you don't want serious. You want sad, the ignorance that people have. So... Have a place where you contact God daily. Just have a point of contact place where you connect with God. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate. And, you know, it, sometimes the more we put places aside and want to go to this place or that place, the less we get there. Just just hide him in your heart and be willing to to bless him at all times. Think about him. Sing praises to him. Talk to him. Amen. Tell him how your day is going. Amen. So have a place where you contact him. So you got to make time for him. Use your faith in everyday life. That's very important. The small things that you can do to stay in contact with God. It's amazing. You know, like when we started, we would have people for the conferences. Don't wait till payday to pay it all. Sow a seed. And expect God to bring the balance to you. See, most people get offended by that. And I'll tell you why. Oh, she think I don't know what I'm doing. Huh? i tell the truth. Because <laughs> that's how it hits everybody's pride. I'm trying to get away from your pride and get you to follow something that's going to help you to build faith for when the doctors give you a diagnosis that makes you want to fall apart, you got something in you already that's been fed to the point. Huh? Some people do it out of defiance. I'm going to show her. She said, I ain't going to have the money. I'm going to show her. I'm going to have it. Hey, help yourself. But you're missing the point. You are missing the point. I'm trying to invite you into something that I know works for everybody. You can refuse the invitation if you want to. And I'll still be here to pray for you when something jumps on you. But, but you could avoid that and you could have some reserve to help somebody else. Huh? See, even if you do have your money on your payday that you're looking for, sacred payday, huh? it doesn't help your faith any that you're waiting see I'm trying to get you out of faith in the natural and over to faith in the supernatural without hurting your feelings too much but if you're going to get offended anyway 
You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I'm working on it. I'm working the best way I can. Help you keep your dignity and all your other stuff you're trying to keep. But I'm telling you, there's a difference between supernatural faith and natural faith. I'm trying to get you beyond living from paycheck to paycheck and making plans out of your natural resources. When the Bible says that you have treasure in heaven, I'm trying to get you to learn how to pull from that level of resource because this down here is limited. That up there is unlimited. Huh? You could have somebody come and pay for your conference. I, I, I don't need nobody to pay for me. You see what I'm saying? I mean, that is so automatic to pop into people's heads. Huh? I'm going to get to the point where I can, uh, well, when you get there, come talk to me. You ain't going to get there on the road you're going. And I know for a fact you're not going to get there. Because you're refusing to take your little trophy faith out of your pocket and start using it for very simple things where you're not threatened. Huh? I, I heard somebody, and I'm not talking about anybody, but I heard somebody had said once that they were so glad they had a good job because they didn't have to live by faith. And see, the day came where they needed faith for their healing and didn't have it. So I'm just, I'm just being honest with y'all. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to take that no further than where it just went. But see, those are mistakes that we make mentally where we think Natural self-sufficiency is the best when really the life of... See, we turn our noses up at people who have to struggle and pray for everything when they have an advantage that we don't have. See what I'm saying? And so many times we're waiting on a natural situation to get better and we haven't sown anything toward the supernatural to help it get better. Amen. So make sure that you're sowing. You understand what I'm saying when I say you haven't sown in the supernatural to make the natural better? The supernatural is superior to the natural. See, we can have people struggle for years under the grip of financial pressure that if they would be consistent and increase their giving, it would be taken care of. Now, that ain't a secret. That's in the Word. You don't have to do a whole lot of anything. You just look at the Word and see that's true. But see, many times we're trying to work this, trying to do that, trying to do try, 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 try. Instead of working the supernatural laws that we have at our disposal. See, there's, there's a problem in, in unbelief that we labor in because we've never put... The word of God to the test consistently enough to see it really works. It's not going to work a little bit here and stop it and back up and look at it and see what God's going to do. It works. Faith works. Consists of faith. Faith is dedicated to God. So once you decide, say if you believe in tithing or you say you believe in tithing, once you start doing that, you have to believe in it consistently and not jump in and jump out. You look at, you want that to work, but then you jump back and look at your, what you're making, what you want to do, 
all of that, and you continue to jump in and jump out, well, it'll never work for you. Because it's not something that's really dedicated to the Lord in the sense that he can work with you and work for you, and you can really see that word come to pass. See, you've got to stand back and not touch certain things. Because they're dedicated. And if you can't do that with money, God said, how can I trust you with anything else? Money's the dirtiest, cheapest, easiest to come by commodity on the earth. You can go stick a gun in somebody's nose and get some money. Huh? You can do a lot of things to get money. You can go get you some credit cards and jack all of them up and have money. You see what I'm saying? But God wants people who are dedicated to him and his laws and his ways and trust him. That if they will do what he says to do, then he's faithful and just to perform and to bring that thing to pass in your life. That's what he wants out of his children. He wants committed kids. Those of you who are parents, if your kids are grown, you don't want them coming home when they broke. And then as soon as they milk some money out of you or get on their feet, they often run it again, throwing it away like they did before they got broke and came back home. You want to see your child be able to stand on his own two feet. Not You don't need anything from them but the satisfaction of knowing that they caught on to how to do this thing. And they know how to live. That's what you want. And that's what God wants out of us. He wants to know that we have caught on and we know how to do this thing and we trust him. Amen. So the third point I want to make. Faith in God becomes a way of life. That's what he wants and that's what you want. You want it to be a way of life. Where you're not moved in the least little bit by what you see. huh? You're moved only by his word. If something's hindering and the word isn't coming to pass the way you believe it should, then you keep standing. You don't start looking around the chain stuff. And looking for an instant anything. So your goal is to live by faith, not by sight. That's the goal. Your goal is not to have things. Your goal is to live by faith, not by sight. That you're not moved by anything you see. You're not moved by anybody that comes against you. You're not moved. You are focused on pleasing God with your faith. That's where he wants you to keep focused on. All these little things that happen in the natural are distractions. So in the getting to know process, your faith should increase. Your faith in God should increase. And you should love him more. And so the more you devote your faith to God, it takes care of the doubts, takes care of the craving, the frustration of because I don't have yet and when is it going to happen? And God doesn't love me because he don't give me stuff. How would you like somebody to say that about you? They just want your stuff. And if you don't do what they tell you to do, you don't love them. That's what we do to God many times. Come on now. You, you know, you you got to. <laughs> Listen, this is the way the human soul operates, folks. You stay in a realm of carnality long enough. You let the devil punch your lights out several times. And you get to thinking, how did I get over here? What did I do? And oh. 
you can stay there forever and not even know you're there. (laughs) Be messed up and not know how messed up you are. So you want your faith in God to become a way of life. Your goal is to live by faith and not by sight. That's the end result. That's the biggie right there. Is that you live by faith and not by sight. So that seeking God is a normal activity for you. Your faith in in God increases. You know him more and you love him more. Love and trust are key components of faith. Faith works by love. And faith is a form of trust. You have to be like, like Sarah. She had the hardest end of the deal. Between her and and Abraham having a child because he already proved he was fertile. She never had been. So she had the biggest hurdle to jump. Sometimes God is is trying to help your spouse and you only think about him helping you all the time. He sees you as one. You got to always go to God on their behalf. You can't not go to. You can't go to God just for you and not for them. You know, understand understand something about what marriage is all about, folks. You got to, you know, that scares a lot of people, but whatever. You get used to it. Huh? We desire big things, but God works in the small things as well. He wants to be involved in every aspect of our life. The Bible says that Sarah conceived seed. Because she judged God faithful. See, there's a place where you can know God, love God, say he did it for you last time, hope he'll do it again. But at the, you've got to get to the point where you judge him faithful and you're not looking to see what he's going to do to trust him more. You've got to say, now this settles it, God. I judge you faithful for him. No more doubt. No more concerns, no more asking when it's going to happen, no more fear about it. When that idea pops up in my brain, I rebuke the devil and I don't get mad at you. Huh? I don't get mad at the years. I don't get mad at the lack of finances. I don't get mad at the where I am right now. Huh? I judge you faithful. If you'll judge God faithful, you get the pressure off of you. To try and outdo him. Because you can't do it. Did I pray enough? Did I fast enough? Did I do this enough? Did I give enough? Did I no, 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 and no. That voice of condemnation will never give you a yes answer. But if you judge him faithful, his grace is sufficient for you in all things. And you use your faith, do your part, use your faith every day. When you get invited to to start using your faith, take the invitation, folks. Don't turn it down. Learn how to submit to yourself to God's authority so you can be helped. Amen? Nobody's trying to rain on your parade or talk about you or... Listen, there ain't a saint here that I would go to hell for for backbiting them. You understand what I'm saying? They don't rub me the wrong way enough. Huh? Don't don't get involved in that. And don't get involved in thinking the worst about people. Especially when God puts them in your life to help you. Huh? That's their designated position 
is to minister to you and help you. I am your minister and your servant. You got me? I'm not your enemy. I'm not picking on you. Well, Pastor Barb preached, he was talking about me. Yeah, you ought to be glad. I wish I could send somebody to talk to me the whole time. I'm supposed to talk to you. What am I supposed to do? Talk to the carpet? Man, people, don't let condemnation run your life. You get out of that boat. And you come and get over where God is. He'll help you. Amen? All right. Well, Father, we thank you.